Welcome to the Better Woman Podcast, where I interview women who make me a better woman. All right, friends, I am so pumped because today I have with me Miss Katrina Gallick, and I can't even begin to explain how excited I am to interview her, and we're just going to have a great time. We've been catching up, and it's great. And... I was trying to write up a little introduction about Katrina, and Katrina and I met in college, and we both actually worked at the college that we attended after, and that's kind of how we got to know each other more, and all I could think of writing down was that Katrina is a rock star, and if you know her, you're like, yeah, that's actually, like, totally accurate. Katrina is just a rock star at everything that she does. So I just want to say welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And and what an intro. I've never I've never received an intro as a rock star before. That is that is fantastic. And yes, I do have many fond memories of of working together at at you Mary and good good times. Good times. Mhm. Good good old time at you Mary. Always fun. Well, I have Katrina on here today because first of all, she inspires me and I kind of talking with her before we started about just the way that she's inspired me in ways she probably doesn't even know. And I think she's doing really cool things. And so I would love for you just to start, Katrina, like catch us up. Like we, you know, how many years ago was it that we worked together? Three years ago? Yeah, I think so. Because that was when I left to come down to DC to work for the March for Life where I am now. So that was about two years ago, a little over a little over two years ago, which is crazy. Yes. So so since then, like Emily said, I worked at the University of Mary when I was a student a bit and then also right when I graduated in their public affairs department doing social media and, and other kinds of digital marketing. And then soon after that, I received a wonderful offer to come to DC and to work for the March for Life, which was just an incredible gift. So I came down uh, doing similar things of digital communications and and other other marketing things. And then about a year ago, I was uh, offered a position with the March for Life again to be director of development. And so that is what I'm doing now. It's it's fundraising for the most part and and really just representing the organization in that capacity and building building up our support teams so that we can continue to do the work that we that we were created to do. So that is that's what I've been doing. So I've been in DC now for about two years. And Emily and I were just speaking about DC and living here. And it really is a fantastic place to be, especially as a young professional. There's just so much opportunity and so many fascinating things happening all the time. And so I, I really, I really love it here. That's awesome. So Katrina is really no stranger to talking to people and in front of people, it sounds like. <laughs> no, and no, not at all. So okay, can you Tell us a little bit, because that's quite a leap, right? Like working for the University of Mary. Where are you from originally, Katrina? I grew up in New Jersey, actually. That's right. That's right. And then came to Bismarck. Mm -hmm. And how did you land this position with the March for Life in D.C.? How did did that happen? A series of uh, providential moments. So the first was actually a last minute decision to attend the March for Life my junior year of college. And the the University of Mary takes going to the March for Life very seriously. And so piled up two buses at that point and drove 26 hours in one direction from Bismarck all the way to DC and then 26 hours the next day from DC 
back to Bismarck. And last minute, my, my friend Anne convinced me to go. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. You know, pay the fee as quickly as I can, get on the bus, and, and off we go. And it was on that rather now now famous trip that on the way back, there was a terrible snowstorm. And we were stuck on the Pennsylvania Turnpike in this snowstorm for 18 hours, only to be dug out by the, the National Guard and then, and then brought up to, to Bismarck afterwards. And, and it was in that that uh, University of Mary got some, got some major press because people were saying, like, what are these students from North Dakota doing on the Pennsylvania Turnpike for 18 hours? Like, tell us what you're here for. And so we were able to say we we're here for the March for Life. We we're here to, to speak for the unborn and, and for mothers. And uh, so it was during that time that the March for Life staff got first introduced to the University of Mary and the University of Mary students and were so just impressed by the students' love for life and poise and commitment to all of this. And, and so every, every year, the March for Life chooses a university or high school to carry the banner at the front of the march. And this is, this is a huge honor for the students. And so because of the experience the year before, they asked the University of Mary to carry the banner that following year. And every year when a school is picked, one of the students gets to speak at the March for Life representing those students and then also representing the, the pro-life youth. And so the university asked me to be the speaker that year. And so I was able to speak at the March for Life stage. And again, another kind of just crazy coincidence, well, coincidence in, in air quotes, that was when President Trump won the election for the first time. And for the first time in history, Vice President Mike Pence, the first, the first vice president to ever come to the March for Life, spoke that year. And so there was media attention like never before on the March for Life and everything that was happening. This was just days after inauguration. And so because of that, the university, again, was able to participate in all of this. And so we needed more media training than, than usual to be ready for this. And, and so that got me introduced to the March for Life staff in a deeper way. And, uh, and then come around to, to graduation now, you know, a little while after that. And I thought at this point, you know, I was like, okay, there's, there's been sort of doors that have been opening in the pro-life and political world. And I could see also through all these experiences that some of my gifts and skills that I didn't realize I had were being revealed. And I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. Somebody pay attention to and okay, Lord, you know, bring this to prayer to be like, does this mean anything? Is this, there's this door that might be open. Am I supposed to walk through? What am I supposed to do? And so I reached out to the March for Life staff and to, to Jeannie Mancini, who's our president in particular, and just said, hey, you know, going to be graduating soon. I'm interested in, in maybe working in this field, in this area. Any advice you have? I'd love to hear some of your story. And just got through conversation with her. And, and uh, so it was in that process of, of trying to find something in this world of kind of politics and, and of pro-life in particular that the position opened up and I was able to to come down and and begin. So that's, that's how I got there. So it's kind of wild. Looking back, I, I still can't believe that it happened, but here we are. That's amazing. Thank you. For um, people who may not know about the March for Life, I mean, you say you spoke in front of these people. Like, this is a big deal. If people don't know that, this is like how many people are at the March for Life. Yes. Yes. I, actually, I'm really, I'm really glad that you bring that up, though I should have gone to the more detail. So the March for Life is the world's largest annual human rights demonstration. So, and it's the world's largest pro-life event, annual pro-life event. And so what it is, is uh, every January since 1974, which is the year after Roe v. Wade was decided in January 1973, the year before. So on that first anniversary, Nellie Gray and other other uh, pro-life people thought that the anniversary should not go by without being commemorated, that there are people who disagree with the decision of Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion through all nine months of pregnancy throughout the entire country, just like that. 
And so this began, it was at first, it was just a few thousand pro-lifers. And since 1974 has grown, like I said, into the largest annual human rights demonstration in the world. And so there's hundreds of thousands of people from all over the country and all over the world who come every year in January. And since then, the March for Life has inspired similar marches throughout the world and, and throughout the country. And so even in the United States in January, there's about 70 other marches that happen as well that are inspired, but the one in D.C. being being the largest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. I just wanted to make sure we like, call attention to that if people are familiar. So yeah, absolutely. Big event. Can you walk us back? You were talking about when you like these doors were being opened, right? Like when you were trying to decide nearing graduation, what to do. And I think that if people are in college right now, they can totally feel what that feels like. I just remember feeling like I could, you know, you can do anything, honestly. Like I could, I could be done. I could move across the country. I could stay in Bismarck. I could do X, Y, Z. And it's a time where there, it's it's hard to feel like you're gonna make the right decision <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. when there's so mm-hmm. many decisions to be made. And I want to ask you about when you when you reached out to Jeannie Mancini because this is a memory that I have of you that I was sharing. And I think Katrina kind of glossed over this that she said she reached out to the director of the March for Life. Um, talk about just just going for it, right? So how did you decide to just reach out to the director of organization you might want to work for? And and how did you do that? How did you go about how did that? How that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know. And Emily, yeah, was, was talking earlier how much you remember that moment. I don't even remember talking to you about that. So I'm really happy that you remember me, me sharing that with you so long ago. So actually... When I reached out to her when I was coming to graduation was actually not the first time post-March for Life when I had spoken in 2017 that I reached out to her. I ended up having to take some time in my senior years off just for some health reasons. I'd ended up having some surgery and, and so just needed some time off. And so anyways, this kind of gap from graduation was just longer. And so in that time, Jeannie actually came to the University of Mary to speak at what's called uh, Prayer Day, which is just a, a really big event for the University of Mary. And I was unfortunately not able to be there, but I knew she was coming to town and I had her email from when I had been at the March for life previously. And so I just, at that point, just shot her an email and said, oh my gosh, you know, I heard you're coming. That's so wonderful. I wish I could be there, but you know, I hope you enjoy you know, your time in North Dakota, just kind of, kind of well-wishing in that way. And then uh, I also saw her again that following year at that next March for life. Like I said, there was a kind of a bit of gap time in graduation and kind of similar deal was able to speak with her just briefly at an event and just said, hello. And then the similar deal of just following up with an email and just thanked her for the event and made it kind of just a few comments about how wonderful it was and and some of the things that impacted me not just dark like things that I actually genuinely found to be really moving and, and really powerful about it and that's it just as a you know as a thank you and then like I said when it was now coming around to senior year it felt in that way much easier because I had already had a few other times that I had been speaking with her and so asking then in an email you know hey I would love to set up a time to chat with you I'm thinking about this and I would love to know just some of your advice for her. It was it, not the first time, but it's not, it wasn't like I was pinging her every two seconds, you know, to talk to her. So, so in that way, I think it, it was less scary, but I will say it was also terrifying. I actually remember, oh my gosh, I remember that specific day that I called her. I was so nervous and I actually, this is so embarrassing. I actually got the time wrong. And so, cause there's, there's the time difference. And so I thought, I thought that 
she had missed the time or whatever. So I ended up calling the, her, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to call her office and just see. So I ended up calling her office and I got her secretary and there was like, no, actually like it's much later, like in the day. I don't know. And I was like, so I was like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. Like I just called her like two hours early. Oh man. Wow. But anyways, it all worked out just fine. So and, I, and, and I'm sure she, she understood, you know, she's like the kindest woman in the world. And uh, so we had a great conversation. And, and even in that one too, I, I wasn't calling, asking specifically, can you give me a job? It was just more open-ended and more asking for advice and also just kind of genuine interest in her and in what she was doing and asking advice from her own experience. And then from there, it was she actually followed up with me and said, Hey, you know, we, we, I think we have a position open that might be a good fit for you. And, and so then we were able to to talk about it. So in that way, kind of breaking it down into smaller pieces where it was just building a, a relationship of, of any kind ended up working out, working out really well. And so for me mentally going in with a thought of like, okay, if all else, fit, you know, what, however, whatever I want out of this, it's just going to be to get to know her and to form this relationship. And, but it was scary. It was really scary. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Uh, absolutely. And I think you bring up a good point about like networking specifically, right? So I think networking sometimes has this very like dry, contrived type of just the way it sounds. And, And I think sometimes it can be. And I think what you are talking about is like just building a relationship and being present to the experiences that you're having and really... I I can't think of the word I'm trying to say, but it's like acting on these impulses, like these thoughts that you might have. So like if you go to a presentation and the, and the person like speaks to you in a certain way, like I think we're really afraid to like reach out and let them know and think why, why would they care? Or maybe you're reading, you read a blog post or a book or something that really speaks to you. Why not reach out <laughs> to the, the person to let them know to like build that relationship. I think sometimes we think we forget that people are also just people just like us. Uh, Mm, And mm -hmm. if they are, you know, good, genuine people, they usually will give you the time of day. (laughs) And if they're not, then they're probably not someone you'd want to work with or work for (laughs) if they're not willing to give you the time of day. But I think that you show a lot of courage and also humility. I think that's like clearly where that comes is you have you have to have a certain level of humility to be willing to be vulnerable in that state. And we have a quote up in our house that I love that's like the world offers you comfort, but you are not made for comfort. You are made for greatness. And I think that's John Paul II. Am I correct? I hope I'm not misquoting. It's either him or Pope Benedict. It's a pope. It's, it's a, a pope, pope quote. But, it's, <laughs> you know, he had he had lots of good things to say. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's easy to just, like, settle and be comfortable. Because you could have, I mean, you know this, you could have really easily not reached out any of those mm-hmm. times that you talked about. And then who knows? I mean, who knows where you would be now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's taking the risk, like you're saying, of, of having this person respond poorly, which is which is very possible. But most of the time, I think you're going to find if you're thoughtful in how you're reaching out and there's lots of, and I, I can list them off at the end, there's lots of great resources that can sort of walk through even some scripts of emails and texts and things like that. 
then the odds are, even if the person can't talk to you, even if they don't have time, it's rare that someone is going to be offended by that. And if they are, like you're saying, then that's not somebody would want to work for or be well connected with anyways, you know? And actually it's interesting. It's funny that you say reading a book and reaching out to the person because one of the first times I was kind of getting introduced to being more, more intentional and more forward with, with networking in this way was actually through reading a book called The Pope and the CEO by Andreas Vidmar, who is a, was a Swiss guard with JP2, another, another Pope, speaking of Popes. And then he went on to, to become a very successful businessman, very successful CEO. And so he wrote this book about how what he learned from JP2 influenced his work as a CEO. And I remember reading this and thinking like, oh, this is so cool because I studied marketing as well as philosophy and Catholic studies and always loved to see the blending together of how ideas look in real life and, and kind of what this looks like. And, and this is very much what he did. And so I remember I was speaking with a good friend of mine about this and he, and he said, well, why don't you reach out to him? I actually know him from previous work and blah, blah, blah. Here's his old email. And I remember thinking the exact same thing. Like this guy is a professor. He's very successful. He wrote a book. Like those kind of people don't want to have random people reach out to them. But I did. And I, I sent him an email and we ended up having a great conversation and, and he connected me with uh, some really good good folks. And at that time, I was actually thinking of going straight from school right into grad school. And in a conversation with him, he was like, no, 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 get some work experience first. Like, don't just go straight into it. Try this instead. He connected me with a few other really great people. And I was stunned that he took the time to talk to me. And also, I'm so grateful for his advice because he was speaking as somebody who was successful in business as well as somebody who is a college professor. And so he kind of, you know, knows what he's talking about. But I also knew that he was more likely to give me a straight answer because it wasn't like he had anything to gain by, you know, it, it wasn't like he wasn't my parent or an employer or whatever. So there was, it was able to have this kind of frankness in his responses. Yeah. So I was so nervous about it at the time and, uh, but very, very grateful that I took my friend's advice. So. That's so awesome. And I remember he came and spoke at You Mary. I I remember him. He was really great. Oh, sensing um, a theme so far. Yes. <laughs> this is not, sometimes I feel like this Mary podcast ends up being a slight ad for the University of Mary. And <laughs> it, I mean, if they want to sponsor me, that's fine. Like, that's okay. But that's not what the intention is. <laughs> Okay, so Katrina, I feel like this is something that you do a lot. So I want to ask you about these cold calls, so to speak, of Rick reaching out to people, networking. What advice do you have? What horror story do you have? Has it always gone well for you? What would you say? So has it always gone well? No. Uh, there have been some really awkward conversations I've had with people where I hung up the phone. I'm like, well, okay, I hope I never accidentally run into that person at a party because wow. So, so it's definitely a learning curve for sure. And we'll look back and, and cringe, but I began testing the waters with it early on when I was in college and really grateful for it because there's less risk, right? So you can just kind of get the, the training wheels, so to speak, at that time. So I will say, yes. So I had some times that, that went poorly, but was always trying to look back at those times and think like, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What could I have done differently? And just being really honest about it and not judgmental, just kind of like, okay, taking some notes. All right, let's try it again next time and maybe tweak it in this way and see how that goes and, and just sort of reflecting on it in that way. And so, so my first bit of advice 
would be one to uh, just know your own fears kind of going in or things that are making you nervous. Or for example, do you do really well in the mornings versus in the evenings? Well, then try and schedule times where you can talk to people in the mornings versus, that. you know, kind of little things like that. And then once you're feeling kind of comfortable doing some research about, like I was saying with those sample emails to send to people or kind of questions to ask, those sorts of things. Then at that point, I would say to to just look at your network that you already have. And you might be thinking, I don't have a network. I've never done this before. You do, actually. So if you go and think of those different institutions that you've been involved in and the different people that you've come in contact with and you can come in contact with, this is where social media is super duper helpful because if you went to university, for example, that is perfect. Go. What's your alumni board? Even if it's people that you haven't ever directly talked to, you do have something that ties you together namely your university. And so, okay, great. You can kind of combing through these lists of people. And then when you have, I would say like about a list of 10 people that, that you think not only do I have a connection with this person, but they have some sort of expertise or some sort of connection in something that I'm interested in or an area that I want to go in. Boom. There you go. That's, that would be your then people to reach out to. And some really great advice that I heard was basically to, in, in reaching out to these people, make sure they know this is not going to take up five hours of your time. I'm, I'm just asking, you know, a few questions, two or three questions. Can I have 10, 15 minutes of your time? That way the person knows that they are not going to be on the hook for some sort of really, really long time consuming things. These are very, you know, they're successful and, and busy people. And uh, so LinkedIn is a great way to do that. If you have emails or phone numbers or just phone numbers are, are great. I would say starting with, starting with an email or starting with a message is just a nice way to, like I said, do it in a way that's just not as intimidating as well. But if all you have is a phone number, then give them a call, see what happens. And so I would say, yeah, starting with that. So first, like I said, kind of being aware of your own, your own kind of hiccups going in, your own fears going in, doing some research on just some of the techniques of, of things, and then being uh, widespread in the network that you actually already have. Uh, thank you. I think that was great advice, Katrina. I literally... I'm taking this very personally, like, I'm going to do this tonight afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's such great concrete advice. I love that you shared that because... There you go. I'm all about, like, let's talk practically. What are our action items? So after you listen to this podcast, anyone listening? I mean, I think... What we're talking about is like, you know, trying to achieve your goals. Like you have like career goals or maybe it's not career goals. Maybe it's something else in your life, like really finding the people to reach out to to help get you there or to get to know them if maybe they're in that field to learn more about what that is and if if that is what you want to pursue. I think that's great advice that people are are very afraid to do, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think just having the disposition of you never know it could be nothing it could be something but it's just worth asking and there's a good advice that I heard where it was like networking is a contact sport in that the more often you do it the more likely it is to be successful and the better you're going to get out the more comfortable you're going to be and and again it's about forming relationships and so you know it's not just one and done oh so this is another piece of advice too i would say is that the follow up is just as important as the introduction if not more so and, and this i've heard this from a lot of different people that they'll have these great conversations with people who are are very interested in moving their career ahead or or whatever and then never hear back from them ever again and so well then the question would be okay well how do i follow up aside from just hey thank you it's great it was great to to meet with you and another 
great piece of advice that I heard from, from another friend of mine was you should always be going into these conversations looking to see how you can add value. So in these things, how can I add value? How can I help this person? And again, it can help them get along any sort of mental hurdles of thinking, what can I get out of this person? No, no, put yourself in the position of like, how can I help you? But again, okay, great. Now you're like, okay, I'm in college. I have nothing I can help this person. Like they are, you know, in their career and I'm in, you know, I'm a sophomore. What can I do? Or or whatever. And and what she said to me was that the thing that you can offer is to follow their advice, is to you actually follow through with it. And I was like, wow, okay. And actually I never thought about it before. And so one one of the things you can do is in this conversation, if they mention a book, if they mention a podcast, if they say, Hey, you should reach out to so and so, when you respond in your thank you, say Thank you so much. It was really great. It was really great to talk with you. I especially appreciate you mentioning XYZ book. I, you know, I'm going to be buying it and reading it. Just want to thank you again. Then you can follow up next and say, you know, maybe two or three weeks later that you've been reading the book and it's been super helpful already so far, or you've reached out to so-and-so and you're, you're, you can't wait to talk with them, something like that. And then again, you can wait then now a few weeks later and it's called like, quote, quote, closing the loop, which is basically to say, here's the positive results that came from me taking your advice and actually following through with it. You know, I, I read this book and, you know, I took this practice out of it and I applied it to my job and I saw this concrete result or whatever. And, and so in that, what you're displaying to this person is, well, now you've had four positive encounters with them, not just one. You've now honored them in a concrete way by actually taking the advice that they offered. And then two, if you then wanted to follow up again and now ask for something, you've already been giving them um, something. And so you you have this sort of positive rapport going in and they're going to be much more likely to want to kind of talk about things like that after that point. So that was some fantastic advice that, that I was given about how to do follow-up really well and really intentionally. But you can you can tell though already that it's a lot of work, right? And so with networking, if you're looking for a job and you know that you know, okay, I'd like to make a career change in a few months, or maybe you're a senior and you're like, I know I'm going to be graduating at this time. Now is the time to start. And I would start with things like that. Like what, what can I do now? So that by the, and building relationships with lots of different people so that by the time I get to the moment when I need to have some sort of a job offer or interview, I've put myself into the, the best position for success. And those things, being in good positions for success, for doors to be opened, don't typically happen by accident. And when they do, you have to be ready to walk through it. And this will help you get there. Katrina, I think that's so awesome. And what you just highlighted so well speaks to your experience and your story that you shared of how you got to where you are today. I think someone could easily listen and say, wow, the stars just aligned. They just aligned for Katrina and Mm. she just had all this great experience and got this great job. But it, it did take intentional reaching out on your point to come to a point when, when you were ready to take this opportunity, there was an opportunity ready for you. Uh, Mm, And so mm -hmm. I think I just want to call that out that, you know, following our dreams. Like it does take work. It it's really not just the stars aligning. There's other parts to play, right? But the other piece I want to talk about, you said so say someone does all these things. If you're doing everything right, right? You've got you you graduate or you get to a point, you've got multiple options then. If you're doing all this right. How do you make the right choice? When it comes to career, vocation, say you've got three different job offers, what type of advice would you give to people in that type of position? Mm. 
well, first of all, I think it's important to acknowledge that that is a really hard position to be in and it is really scary. And there's so many different pros and cons on all sides, especially if you're looking at two or three good job offers that at times it can feel quite paralyzing. And so I think first just want to acknowledge that, that it's, it's certainly challenging. And also before I forget, there's a few podcasts and other just like people that I've found researching who have had really helpful tips on things like this. And so three names that I'll share. One is Pat Lynchoni. It's really hard to spell his name, so I'm not going to try. But uh, he has what's called The Table Group. And they have a great podcast called At The Table. And in that, he has a few episodes just on this exactly. The other one is Ramit Sethi. Sethi is S-E-T-H-I. And he's the one with, uh, when I was describing the sort of play-by-play with how to reach out to people, that all comes straight from from him. And, and so I'm really just borrowing his idea. I should give him credit. And uh, he's got lots of great advice about this as well. And then the last person I would say is Arthur Brooks, spelled how it sounds. He was the CEO at AEI for many years and now has gone back into academia. Also has great stuff on it. Okay, so all that being said, advice I would say, on that is so taking from a lot of a lot of these guys is that it's really important at that point to have a clear self-knowledge there's been many studies that have shown that for long-term success just in life not just in career that knowing yourself is very important and it's for exactly times like this when you can then determine am i making a decision out of fear or am i making a decision um, because I've thought this through and this is really the right thing. And, and how do I know internally when I'm in that state or not, right? That comes from just spending time getting to know yourself. And there's lots of different great ways to do that. And so that's what I would say, first of all, in that state is to know, to know yourself practically as far as, you know, personality type and strengths, weaknesses, this basic thing. And then from there, three really important questions to, to also ask yourself is, okay, what am I, what am I interested in? And what am I good at? And then is there a a way that I can help improve the world or help solve somebody's problem through this? And it was really funny. There's, I I remember listening to a talk and uh, this woman was saying that one of her friends that she used to work with, he really wanted to do, he loved stand-up comedy and he wanted to do stand-up comedy. And he, he would talk about how great he was in the office all the time and, and that he wanted to do this for his career. And so his coworkers wanting to support him, decided to go to one of his stand-up comedy shows. And so they showed up and he said he was terrible. And so they were like, oh my gosh, he's so bad. How do we, what, this is his dream, right? He can't do this. Well, well, that was an instance of A, lack of self-knowledge. And then B, this poor guy, he really liked it, but he wasn't good at it. And so no one was going to pay him to do it. And so they had to kind of break the news. Right? <laughs> so like, this so... is what I like to say. Those are called hobbies, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so have hobbies. Please have them. But anyways, anyways. So I'd say, like, when, when you kind of have that down, then then when an opportunity comes, you can kind of run it through this filter and you'll know if it's the right one or not, is what I would say. Now, it's it, it's a nice formula, but it's very challenging in the Yeah, moment. this is a piece of advice I received very similar to this from a mentor somewhat recently when trying to make a decision like this. And, and she talked about creating your why statement. And your why statement, your mission and, and putting those pieces in, your, your strengths, what's driving you, what is the impact that you want to make on the world? Like, in all honesty. And when you're faced with, say, it's a career option, really looking at that and taking time to reflect on, like, looking through the job description, going in the interview, you know, asking to, asking to meet some other people in the company to learn more and determining, is this job going to allow me to 
to use this why statement or is it getting me closer to a position that's going to allow me to leave the impact you know that that I want to and this helped me greatly in making this decision with choosing which job I was going to take and in all honesty I kind of like sat down in prayer and realized at the end of the day it's just a job And although the job is going to be really important, like the decision, you know, it is what you spend 40 plus hours a week doing. Like I am more than just like the job that I am. Right. And I think sometimes we make that decision into like life or death. Like I will choose the wrong job and then my life will be over. It can have a great effect, but you are still you and you can still bring your strengths and your value to whatever position you end up being in that could bring you closer to where, you know, you might be. So, yes. So it's like keeping it in proper perspective then to know that I am not just what I do. And that's huge also to know that like you're more than, than just your occupation and and you're more than your gifts, you're more than your talents. And so keeping that in perspective is so vital just to be happy, right? I mean, this is the thing, like the amount of people, they talk about this with people who go to law school, the amount of people that will go to law school, which is so hard, so expensive, and then they get out and they realize that they don't even want to do it. And so, you know, to keep all of that in, in mind when when choosing it as well is like, what kind of life do I want to lead? And, and also too, when, when choosing an organization to work for one is, is to choose, I've heard other really good advice I was given was to choose a boss, not a job or not, not an organization to choose boss. So to, to be really cognizant when in the interview process of, of who am I going to be working for? And what is my, what is my day to day going to look like? I mean, it might look really cool on paper. Maybe it's a really impressive title or a really impressive salary, but if it's not what I want to do, or if I think that the environment just isn't going to fit me and how I like to operate, or maybe it's just like unhealthy as a whole, then even if it looks really good and really cool, then Maybe it's just not the right one. And sometimes when we think that we are what we do or what we do is most important, stepping away from an opportunity that might look good on paper but isn't good in reality is that much harder because it feels like there's more at stake when really it's just a job, you know, and there are far more important things in life. Yeah, and that's hard. I think that takes a lot of humility of if you're in the job that you don't feel like you're super proud of right? Like it doesn't look super great. It's not super fun to share about. You're not like, I'm doing this cool thing and I've got all this visibility and I'm in the career of my lifetime. But finding what good you're learning from it and also like maybe it is a great fit for you. Maybe it is a great fit for your day to day and you are growing in your skills and you are able to provide value. Being I guess being okay with that, but then not becoming complacent, right? If it's not the job, Mm, mm -hmm. then continuing to do that networking that you're talking about, the building relationships outside of just at your workplace to be able to get to the, you know, the place that you want to be. Exactly. Right. So it's having that, that long range in mind and at the same time as not being ungrateful for, for where you are. And, and for the gifts that you have, you know, of yeah, being able to, to kind of balance those two things together is, is super important, super important. So kind of my last question for you, Katrina, which I didn't actually send you. So this is a little off the cuff, but long-term goals, where does Katrina Gallic want to be? 
Do you, so, do you, are you someone that sets 10, 20 year goals? I am not. <laughs> uh, which I don't know if that's the right answer. Uh, we'll see. But, uh, well, there is no, no right answer, Katrina. There I'm just it is. genuinely curious. There it is. No, no, I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So, so long term, as far as, yeah, kind of 10, 20, I, I don't, I don't know definitively where I would want to be. I do have an idea though of the kind of life that I would like to live if that makes if that makes more sense. So I would love to to you know have a family and also be able to work and and these sorts of things and and so that will very much play into how I'll end up responding to future opportunities. But as far as definitive things, I do not know. However, if I was offered an opportunity to be in them on the amazing race or, you know, to just like I don't know, be Adele's backup singer. I will drop everything and go and do that. So, you know, it's not off the table. I don't know if Adele is going to listen to this, but um, she she if does. You actually. Are listening. She's one of my. <laughs> she's well, one she of reaches her out to me frequently. Yes. About I knew how it. Much she loves the podcast. I, I love that you said it. that because I still have a dream of becoming a backup dancer for Beyonce. That's that's just like always in the back of my mind. Like this could happen. Gotta have a stretch goal. Gotta. <laughs> Stretch goal. You could do it. You could. You could totally just <laughs> give her. Just send her an email. Hey, listen I'll to send her. <laughs> I would love. Just I'll just message her on LinkedIn. I'll message her on LinkedIn. I'm sure it'll be a shoe in. Uh, if you message Adele, if you message Adele, I'll message Beyonce. I mean, do they have a LinkedIn? Done. Probably not. Honestly, but maybe. <laughs> Honestly, you know, you hear stories about people where they do stuff like that and it works. So. I'm just saying, give it a shot. Well, Katrina, this has been so great. I am so thankful that you decided to join me on the podcast. And I feel like you just shared so many great pieces of wisdom that I know someone, like everyone listening can take something from. So thank you. Thank you. Gosh, I really appreciate it. And like I said, so much of what I've learned is from other very successful, wonderful people and from doing lots of research and things with, with uh, some people who do this for a living of helping people uh, find careers that are rewarding and fulfilling. So I hope that me passing along some of this is, is going to help some of your listeners. And with that, any other, um, I know you shared a couple of great podcasts that you like to listen to that we'll definitely link um, in the show notes. Any any other people or accounts or books that you love that people should know about? Yes. So like I said, the, the some of the names that I mentioned before, Arthur Brooks, Pat Lynchoni, The Table Group, and Rumit Sethi are all some really good podcasts on this. Tim Ferriss is somebody else who I'd recommend, especially if you're just looking at life in general, you know, how, how to build a, a more meaningful career and uh, more meaningful work. He has got some really fascinating interviews and somebody else, he's he's very different than all these other guys, but really entertaining is Gary V. He's really funny and just like a regular guy, kind of. Anyways, he's great, but brilliant, super successful and has some really great advice. And so I would say those guys I've found to be really helpful and they all have podcasts and can be found in sort of other ways that I find to be just easier to digest in small pieces. So awesome. Love it. So right after you listen to all episodes of the Better Woman podcast, these are the people that you can listen to. Exactly. So. <laughs> Your new second favorite podcast. Absolutely. <laughs>
And Katrina, where can people find you? So if you would like to, if you would like to reach out to me and learn more about my work at the March for Life or any of this stuff, if you go to marchforlife.org, you will find my contact info there and would love to chat with you. And I also can just be found in Arlington if you're wandering around the streets yelling my name very loudly. Maybe I will find you when we can get coffee. I love it. That's great. I don't think I've ever had someone share like a direct calling from the streets way of contacting, but I think that's great. Or I would prefer that. I'll come to Arlington and just yell for you, hoping that you... Just, yes, just, you know, with much gusto and, and lots of passion, it's bound to work. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Katrina, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Better Woman Podcast. This show was created by Emily Kaiser, is hosted by Emily Kaiser, and is edited by Alyssa Higginson. Today's guest was Katrina Gallick. To find more from her and the pro-life movement, you can go to themarchforlife.org. To find more from the creators of the Better Woman Podcast, you can check us out online at alyssahigginsonproductions.com.